So we're just scaring up Mark Faber live from Thailand. That's always a challenge because, of course, it's getting toward midnight in Thailand. Victor Dare joins me on the line right now. We're going live to the trading desk. There's so much action happening in the markets. It's unbelievable. Let's start with Vic. I mean, actually, it's interesting. One of the big predictions we came out of the World Outlook Conference was this is going to be a very choppy year. We've been predicting escalating volatility for several years now, but it's sort of like uh, two steps forward, two steps back, no progress getting made. The same themes continue to emerge. What do you make of what's going on? Well, certainly this first week of September, and you think of that as being a, uh, like a, like a turning point in the markets. You know, a lot of people have been away for summer vacations. They come back the beginning of September, and bam, you know, it's a whole different world. This week felt, uh, felt very choppy. Uh, felt as though there was not much liquidity in the market. And by that, I mean, you'd see prices would just kind of gap from one level to another. Uh, to make a graphic, Mike, it wouldn't have been unusual to expect this past week to see the Dow Jones say rally 200 points in the afternoon, uh, in the morning, fall off 200 points in the afternoon, and then come back to unchanged at the end of the day. Just go, what is going on? There, there was something it felt like behind the scenes here, like we were maybe having a, a change in seasons or, or something. But certainly, markets are waiting on the Fed next week. I mean, I heard you talk with Robert Levy earlier on. Yeah, we're all getting real tired of that. But, you know, it is a, it is a, a big event. And then, of course, there's the whole backstory about what's really going on in China. So the, 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 the way that showed up in markets, whether you look at it, currencies, stocks, interest rates, commodities, whatever, it was a real choppy week here as we began September. I want to come to gold for a second. I mean, speaking of choppy, we could choose any market and uh, reconfirm what you're saying, Vic. But uh, I've been unimpressed with gold, and I've been saying that for a while uh, on the moneytalks.net blog, just because we've given it every excuse to go up, and it still hasn't taken it. And then we find, I mean, my gosh, it moved in tandem with the U.S. dollar. I mean, it, it couldn't even rally with the U.S. dollar coming down. Yeah, the U.S. dollar was down this past week. Gold was also down. That's a t- that's not an, a usual relationship. But let me give you some more backstory on that one. I mean, I was just looking at this <laughs> earlier this morning before the show started. American Barrick, or I guess they just call it Barrick now, is at a 26-year low. It is down 90% from the highs, the all-time highs that it made in 2011. And it's not just Barrick. The broad gold share indices, uh, a couple of the major ones here, made took out the lows that they had back in 2009. These gold shares have really been clobbered here since 2011, as generally commodities have been down for the past four years. That's a great stat, though. Uh, Barrick is the biggest gold uh, gold miner out there, and as you say, I mean it's very consistent. You look across the board. I notice the same thing when I'm looking at the basket of uh, senior gold stocks, let alone juniors, and you're going, oh, my goodness, you know. But it's a great example, by the way, of something I know you've talked about many times. But and but I still um, kind of fight people on this, resist the temptation to say, why are you buying? Well, they're buying because it's cheaper than it was. And, and as uh, we always talk about, oh, yeah, but it can get a lot cheaper before that is, that's finished. Yeah, I mean, Dennis Gartman has a great saying on that, and that is when a market is going down, you have no idea how far down, down is. And I mean, we can go back to some of the classics, you know, BlackBerry, uh, Nortel, you know, on and on the whole NASDAQ stock indices back in 2000. Yeah, you know, 
if you feel as though it's value, okay, great. But if, you, if you're buying it because it's down 50% from where it used to be, uh, that's just generally not a good trading plan. Yeah. And, I mean, it is fascinating to watch. Uh, thank goodness we stepped aside of that market for a long time. But it's fascinating to watch. I agree. At some point, uh, there will be a turnaround. Things don't, like I'm talking, not in an individual stock, but an entire industry doesn't evaporate. There will always be a gold mining industry. And at some point... Uh, there'll be value but you have to as you say Vic we've got to see a turnaround uh, as I say we've given every excuse for the metal itself to rally and it seems not to take it that's a pretty big message for me but no different as you say from the other commodities I'm looking at copper it had a pretty nasty kind of uh, end of the week too so presto there you go yeah I should uh, copper that's a good thing you brought that up I mean the copper market had dropped to a six-year low the week before this last one, and really fell off as we went into Thursday and Friday, about 10 cents or so. And then Monday of this week, a, a huge move for copper up 12 cents. And that was just part of that choppiness that we had in the market across different asset classes. I mean, the Canadian dollar, and I trade the Canadian dollar a lot. Boy, I'll tell you, I couldn't do anything right in the Canadian dollar this past week because or the past two weeks, really, it'd be up one day, down the next, and it's just chopped back and forth for a little better than two weeks within a one-cent range. And it, that would be despite, you know, what's going on in crude. It might be moving counter, despite what's going on in the euro. It was just a very choppy market. Mike, I'll tell you what my intuition is, and that is that the, this choppiness that we've had across asset classes means the market's kind of undecided. It does feel as though... This may be signaling that we've got a change in direction. But I have to say my confidence level in that is low. So I'm, you know, I had a number of positions on it as I came into this week, took some off at a profit, took some off at a loss, really pared back. I'm comfortable at this point to go back to the sidelines and say, there's something going on here. You don't know what it is, Mr. Jones. That's me. So I'm, I'll sit on the sidelines and, and let things start to show a trend and then get back in again. Well, one of the things we've been saying, I think, very clearly on the show is that we were looking for a very choppy sort of September uh, into October. Uh, that's exactly what we've been uh, dealing with here. And uh, other analysts have been telling us the same thing. So, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. There's nothing wrong with sitting on the sidelines until you see a much more defined uh, move. Maybe this week with the Federal Reserve finally saying what they're going to do, and then the debate will start what's going to go happen in December. But maybe uh, at least get that out of the way coming up this week with whether the Federal Reserve is raising rates or not. And uh, you and I'll be here to talk about it. Well, you know, there was a great line that I saw that really wraps up, I think, the market sentiment about what's going to happen come Thursday with the Federal Reserve, and that is they probably should, but they probably won't in terms of raising interest rates. <laughs> oh, and I it, thought that was, yeah, that's usually described to me when it comes to housework. <laughs> good, for, good for Kat. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Vic, thanks very much. We'll chat with you next week. Okay, you bet, Mike. Victor Dare live from the trading desk. Good stuff. Uh, I'll take a break. I'll come back. We're still uh, hooking up with Mark Faber. We've got Ozzy Jurek. He's got some hot properties for us. Uh, I'm interested to see right, right around the country what's going on in real estate, but especially I want to talk about Alberta with him. I want to see if what the fallout has been. Have we sort of recovered from the initial shock of the oil price drop? 
or not. I'll check in with him on that as I say. I've got a great shocking stat for you. It'll be a real test. We were talking about investments here. Well, I looked at these numbers and I thought, my goodness, that was a terrific investment. It's something you'll all be familiar with, and I'll give some other numbers about it. Uh, kind of fun on this week. Also, I've got a great Goofy Award. Maybe the worst parenting story of the year. You know, maybe. There's a lot of competition, I know. But my Goofy, maybe the worst parenting story of the year. All of that coming your way. You're listening to Money Talks on the Chorus Radio Network. Coming up, I've got a shocking stat of the week. Lots of fun on that one. I think you'll enjoy it. Also, as I said uh, just before the break, I've got a great Goofy Award. Ozzy Jerk joins me on the line right now. Just a reminder that uh, coming up at the end of September, September 24th, that's off the top of my head, uh, Ozzy's got his big Outlook conference there. Tons of speakers talking both U.S. and Canada and uh, again, with the interest rate scenario as it is, it's created a whole new environment. Ozzy, first of all, uh, let me just start. What's the date of your outlook again? It's on the 26th. It's an all-day 26th. conference. Uh, it's yeah. a Saturday, yeah. So it, it's, it's really an all-day. We're trying to cover any and every uh, question you could possibly have. And the big question, of course, is, you know, what is the market going to do? What is the market going to do? And it's interesting, I spent the last two days at the Irrational Economic Summit in Vancouver, which, by the way, has attracted some 500 people from all over the U.S. and, and the world, and it's chaired by Harry Dent and a whole slew of, uh, of speakers. And the theme, of course, is, you know, we're the bubbliest city, not, not just us, Sydney, uh, Hong Kong, Manhattan, uh, and all of them, the forecasts are all pretty gloomy, right? I mean, I've got to yeah. hang on to my hat. <laughs> what I find with them is that uh, they don't appreciate uh, that there is what the issue is, is about capital flow right now and about confidence. And we have massive amounts of money leaving per, uh, particular markets. And no different than uh, individuals coming up to me and saying, Mike, where's my money safe? I don't feel confident right now. We've got a debt crisis that we've tried to solve with a debt crisis. I'm looking at the incredible volatility. Uh, you know, you can imagine how someone in China with a significant amount of uh, cash is feeling right now. They're devaluing officially their their currency, but also there's many other things going on there uh, in terms of politics, in terms of uh, corruption probes. Uh, there may be a lot of illegal money coming out of that country, but there is money flowing. Uh, same thing in the Ukraine. $64 billion left the Ukraine in the first six months of 2014 after the initial uh, well, the initial, it's a difficult time to put a time frame, but that's when Russia got uh, very, very involved uh, right after the Olympics. They get in there. Well, again, tons of money moves out. London was the big beneficiary of that. You're watching huge money has been made in the emerging markets, and it is looking for a home. That's what's driving these markets. It's not about affordability. That's irrelevant. At the, I'm talking upper end. Sorry, I should have qualified that. But at the upper end, uh, what you're seeing is money looking with the same old question. They're just going, where can I put it? that it will still be there later. And real estate's yeah. always been very popular that way. You know, the old, they're not making land anymore kind of thing. They're going to quality yeah. properties at the upper end. That's the trend that will determine whether these prices are maintained or not. So, Well, it's safety, right? Safety is number yeah. one, and the price is number two. You know, what's my money going to be worth? And in, in, in defense of the conference, I mean, I like to hear contrarian views, but they're oh, all talking yeah. about going into cash, you know, as, and I can't remember very f few conferences where they really, the theme this one definitely is that uh, deflation is, is ahead, uh, you know, prices are going to crash and, and so on, but they're also saying cash is a good thing, which normally they always try and sell you something else. They're not here. I think they have a fairly, yeah. really worried look on the world, and, 
And so I'm sitting there and saying, well, I've, I've been there before. We, we've been worried in 1987, and we were worried in 1993, and in 1998 when all the Chinese, Hong Kong Chinese went back home and our markets actually went down. To, and we always worry, right? But uh, I don't think it's wrong as an investor, not as a homeowner. You should buy your home in Canada. It's the only tax-free thing uh, that you get, get your capital gain tax-free. But if your investment, there's nothing wrong with maybe having 30 40% of your money in cash. Well, I couldn't agree more, and I'm glad you've, you've emphasized that because I certainly have no problem with cash. I'm just saying if you're analyzing, you know, my point only is if you're analyzing a few of these popular markets, and we've said, I think, very accurately that London, uh, New York, uh, off the top of my head, Singapore would be the main beneficiaries of this capital outflow of some of these other regions, but that Vancouver and Toronto, uh, Sydney, Melbourne had all come into that uh, San Francisco, maybe that second tier. That's what's driving the upper end. At the lower end of the market, what's driving it, I think, is in migration into, for example, the Vancouver area and uh, obviously record low interest rates. So it's not the same. The market's not a monolith and it's not, you know, if they're asking me about what I think about Des Moines, Iowa, what I'm thinking about some other areas, that's a different conversation. I'm just singling out these markets that clearly are attracting international capital and that's all i'm saying is that's the key but i absolutely do not have a problem with them saying you should have a good chunk in cash clearly it's deflation we were on top of that well before most uh in the commodities market so cash is a good thing in a deflationary environment yeah and the other thing too is it isn't just it's like you say vancouver we have thirty six thousand people a year that's eighteen thousand housing units that have to be either built for rent or for sale and we've had that for 10 years so this is this is regular people 20 percent of our population is asian so it's normal and that's what really real estate markets are we are not a worldwide market real estate markets are local in nature and so when i go to phoenix and, and buy properties that were two hundred thousand for fifty thousand it's a five million people city I look, well, is that going to recover? What is the, the economic structure? And I still will buy in Phoenix. And I certainly, uh, that goes for a lot of different areas. And other areas, even in a hot market, you wouldn't touch anymore, right? And that's yeah. what we're seeing in Canada. We, you go right across Canada, that's Toronto and Vancouver, very hot. Some areas are not, right? And that's the locality of the economic situation in the market. Do we have jobs? Are those jobs real? Is it a one-horse town? What's the employer going to do? All of those factors play a role. It, it seems, you know, or, and please correct me, uh, but it seems pretty straightforward. You find an area that's got money coming in and people coming in. How can't it not? And you're right. And they can't then build more than the people coming in. So if 10,000 are moving in and they're building 20,000 units, that's not a good sign. But uh, it, it's still all about migration and people and cash. Always. You know, now in my book I wrote in 1998, where I wrote, forget about location, location, location. It isn't just location. I mean, that's timing make, plays a role. We went in Vancouver from $16,000 to a million dollars over 50 years, but we didn't go there in a straight line. We had our reversals in 81, 40% declines, even in Vancouver. And so we go through this, and so, so it's like a roller coaster, but the outcome has always been higher. Interesting article yesterday in The Sun uh, about uh, Chinese um, uh, investment coming and big investment coming and that some of the developers apparently worry now that that these assemblies along Camby and all of those different areas that they're going to be sitting there for years and not being developed because investors just putting their money in that's local very much local in nature what impact that might have or not have 
It does not play a role in Kelowna. It does not play a role in Kamloops and some of those other areas. Uh, let's start with, uh, I want to check in with you about some different areas, uh, and I especially want to focus on Alberta in a minute, but I'll leave Alberta because we're coming up to the end of the hour, so I'm going to leave Alberta, or end of the half hour, rather. Uh, I'm going to leave Alberta, come back to it uh, after we take a break, but let's start with, uh, I mean, Vancouver's the sort of all-star market. Uh, it just has shown yeah. no sign of slowing down. Amazing. You know, we're 21% higher on sales. The average price, what they call the benchmark price, is up 12% at 708000 But that doesn't tell the story. Single-family home average price is well over a million, up 14%. And on the west side, we're up 18% at an average price, believe it or not, of $3.2 million. I mean, that's, a, that's an eyebrow raiser. But if you go to yeah. Toronto, prices are up 10% also. And, and uh, the volume is up 6%. Not as dramatic, but Toronto is still hanging in there. And the interesting thing, too, is for both Toronto and Vancouver, listings are coming down. Vancouver has 26% fuel listings, so that bodes well. If you go to Calgary, surprisingly, while volume is down 27%, the uh, price is only down about 5%. It's hanging in there. Listings are hold, hold on for a second. Yeah, I want to yeah. hold on to Calgary just for a second. I'll come back to it. But, but here's the thing. You know, we've got to be careful, I think generally, I'm just warning people, that are you listening to what Ozzy's saying as an investor, are you listening as a homeowner or as a speculator, you know, really a pure speculator meaning, and that's where I think some of the analysis of the market, broadly speaking, like for example, if I find the right home at the right price, and I'm getting a, you know, and I've locked in for five years or even more maybe sometimes, and I can afford it. That's really a key in that way. Affordability, I think, is right down to the individual level. Well, you don't care about these individual swings and gyrations. To me, that's a, a very important aspect of it. And uh, as I say, uh, well, we're coming up to the we're coming up to the clock here, Ozzy. I got to take uh, got to take a break. I'm going to come back. We'll come back to Calgary, Edmonton. I'm going to ask about a few more because what the heck's going on in Fort McMurray? Because that was a very interesting area, obviously, with the boom in the oil sands. Uh, Lethbridge, I'm wondering what's going on there. So I'm going to come back. I'll ask Ozzy Jurek about that. Plus, I've got a great shocking stat. Uh, we're having some fun for a change with the shocking stat. But we're talking about an investment that increased 71% per year for the last 20 years. Wow. We'll do that all on Money Talks on the Chorus Radio Network. Glad you're with us. You're listening to Money Talks. Coming up, I've got a shocking stat for you. I've also got a goofy award for you. Right now, I've got Ozzy Jurek on the line. We're talking about real estate, extended segment this week. Uh, so much happening. Such a unique time, uh, Ozzy, because one, you've got the record low interest rates, which of course are uh, you know, good news for investors in real estate and, and potential home buyers. Uh, you know, although that's also been, of course, a huge driver of uh, at the lower end and mid end of higher housing prices. But the other thing, of course, is for the investment side, and we've been talking about this for four years, I'm thinking, maybe four and a half years, what an opportunity it was creating uh, that people searching for yield had to get into things. But uh, I'm just looking at the Alberta markets, a great example of how an external shock, i.e. the price of oil that is uh, not controlled by the federal or provincial government, contrary to what you're hearing in the election campaign, uh, as having ramifications. So that's why I want to spend a little more time on what's going on in Alberta right now. Uh, let's start with the Calgary again, reiterate what's going on there. Sure. 
Sure, well, and one thing you said before the break is uh, break is really important because as a homeowner, I mean, am I going to sell because it's going to go up or is it going to go down? I'm going to have an environment for my family and my kids, you know, close to school and all of those kind of considerations. And when I look like a place like Calgary, it's at 466000 for an average home price. It's about, about 5% below where it was. Listings up about 12%. The market is just fine. Think about it. In Edmonton, the average price is 372000 Now, if as an investor I were to put down 20% on that, that $300,000 mortgage would be my monthly payment is 1400 a month. Of that, if I get it at 2.3%, $700 goes in my jeans, 50%. Never mind, it goes up in value. I increase my equity every single month by $700. So some of these markets like Calgary and Edmonton may have a smoking deal for the investor, and particularly on the condo market where developers are hurting a little, right? The market isn't that hot. Yeah. Maybe you walk in with your stink bit and you get that deal of a lifetime because we're talking major cities in Calgary, great car. And Edmonton, great cultural environment, but because of the oil, oil price, we have uh, maybe a one- or two-year downturn. And vastly improving hockey teams. Let's not forget about that. In both cities, <laughs> Calgary and Edmonton. <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> yeah. We can maybe get people moving from Vancouver and Toronto any minute now just for the hockey. <laughs> let, let me ask you a couple things, though, Ozzy. Um, Fort McMurray is obviously was uh, well on the list of everybody as the oil sands continued to grow uh, you know, there's always those stories about uh, opportunity there. What's happened there in the last year? Yeah, it's the slowest, slowest housing market in, in 10 years. I mean, there was 1,449 houses listed on MLS, 75 sales, you know, down um, over 50% uh, between 2012 and now. Takes on average 11 months to sell a detached house and more than a year to sell a condo. So clearly they have suffered dramatically. Yeah. And and I'm just going to keep going. I've got a list that I put together here that I just wanted to know different markets, different places. Uh, part of it is because they've been attractive uh, for people to make investments there. And I'm thinking Canmore because obviously it's such a beautiful area. Uh, what's happened in Canmore? I mean, is it more attractive to me? Is it sort of reminding me of some of the recreational areas in British Columbia when you came into 2009, 2010, uh, you know, move yeah. much more slowly than Vancouver? And that's maybe the reason that it's actually has some improvement in the mountain resort. It's in the second quarter, sales rose to 101 units compared to 71 in the same time in 2014. So that's pretty darn good. The average price about 592,000 is up also, but only by about $10,000 over, over last year. Yeah, it's still interesting how well it's held its value, though. Yeah, it is interesting because, again, normally the holiday towns get, get, get hit first, right? Yeah. But, uh, Canmore is a is a very special place in in a great mountain area. So, good good yeah. good area. I'm skipping around here a little bit geographically on you here. Um, I'm just uh, interested in places like Leduc too. Yeah, Leduc uh, this summer, eighty percent of the sales for for less than four hundred thousand. So the market at the lower end is is reasonable, but that's where the market is. If you go to a place like Cold Lake, however, sales have really stalled. Prices have been slashed uh, almost twenty percent. There's a huge oversupply in listings. And then if you walk across to Lesbridge, you have a counter trending again. Lesbridge is primarily an agricultural area, sort of a, a bright spot, and detached home sales are up twelve percent in August. And 28% over 2013. So it's been two years wow. of a good market. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's pretty good. And then the detached sales are up um, overall. 
uh, to a price of 305000 Now, wouldn't we be dreaming about that in Vancouver? <laughs> sure, yeah. Well, no, you can still buy a bathroom down in Yale Town, I think, for that. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it is interesting. I mean, that's why I wanted to do this. I, I'm very surprised by the varying markets and where they're coming. For example, you know, you just mentioned Lethbridge, obviously. But as you say, counter trend there. Uh, do you suspect it's because of, you know, it's, it's agricultural and, and the agricultural side hasn't suffered anywhere near the same way and agricultural land still seems to be getting snapped up? Yeah, and, and certainly, uh, although like, at, the, at the conference in the last two years, uh, they feel everything is going down, including agricultural land. But mm-hmm. agricultural land, you can do something with it. And some of the companies have bought it, have been able to pay their investors 6% returns because they buy it and lease it back to, uh, to the farmers. And that, that has worked very well out for both the companies and for the farmers and for the investors. So far, so good. And uh, what about Red Deer, Medicine Hat? Red deer sales are down substantially in August, and listing inventories have increased, uh, which normally is not the case in August. Red deer usually in August has a good market. And if you look at medicine head, sales are also down 18% and 22% just for the month of August year over year. But uh, it's interesting that in, in uh, Medicine Hat, there's also a number of homes now that have sold over 800,000. There's more homes have sold this year over 800,000 than last year. So each market, this proves that every market is local in nature. You have local influences, you have local employment pictures and, and confidence level. And as far as I'm concerned, the home that a Canadian bought in, in Canada for the last 50 years has always really stood them well, not just because of the the, 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 the deductibility or that you don't have to pay any uh, tax on your profits, uh, but also just because you have been able to, uh, to to create a great environment for yourself and your family, and that's really the key. I'm up against the clock, darn it. i got to get the hot property, and I'll take a break, Ozzy, if we get back to hot properties, just for a minute, if, I, if you don't mind. i got to keep you a little bit longer for that because I've also got a shocking stat and a goofy award. Ozzy Jurek here. I'll come back. Hot properties with Ozzy Jurek, something that looks real interesting to him. He's just given some examples of some areas where there's better buy than others. We'll do that right here on the Chorus Radio Network. I'm glad you're with us. I've got a shocking stat in just a couple of minutes, but I'm not letting Ozzy Jurek go without giving us some hot properties today. A reminder that Ozzy's got his Outlook Conference for 2016 happening on September 26th. September 26th, all-day affair. Uh, it's going to be terrific. Uh, again, you can get uh, any information on that by going to www.jurek.com, J-U-R-O-C-K, jurek.com, uh, for ticket information to the 2016 Outlook Conference taking place in two weeks' time. Uh, it's going to be a great event. Ozzy, just give me a couple of hot properties. It's like a teaser for your conference because, of course, you'll be doing a lot more of that there. Yeah, we actually hand out 100 properties under $100,000 in the lower mainland at cash flow and, and, and throughout British Columbia and Alberta. So we're really looking and scouring the, the, the earth for good, for good investments at the conference. We usually have five to 600 people out, so it's an exciting day. Yeah. Well, the first the hot property is in Penda Harbor, you know, and, and this is the old Peony home. It was built, uh, I guess, in 2004, but it's waterfront, 5,000 square feet, spectacular views, and it's on at 799,000, and at one time it was on well over a million dollars. And then we have one in Clayton Hills in Surrey. It's on at 589000 A 20% down payment would be 117000 for the investor. The rental income is 3300 a month, and that would give you a cash flow of almost $1,000 or 17% return. So we thought that looked on paper really good. 
And then finally, we go back to the States. In, Mesa, in, um, in Phoenix, we have a golf course condo. Now, this is a luxury unit, two-bedroom, two-bathroom, 1,000 square feet, five appliances, uh, fireplace uh, right uh, overlooking the 11th hole, and it's on at $110,000 U.S. So, Yeah. Now, sorry, do you know what golf course it is? Yeah, I, I, I do, but I, I'm sorry, I don't have it in my head right now. <laughs> well, that's but good, because you, you and golf have never been friends anyway. So <laughs> I, let me just come back, because, you know, audience across the country, they may not know what you meant when you said it was a PE. Pacific National Exhibition is a big fair, goes out in Vancouver every year for a 1,000 years, and every year they have this prize home, and people, you know, buy their sort of lottery-style tickets, and they go view the fo- home, and it's usually, you know, top of the line of everything, as Ozzy said, 5,000 square feet. So that's what you're talking about, something built about 10 years ago up in Pender Harbor, uh, you know, all sorts of views and that kind of stuff. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, that'll be a bit of a trophy home, I would think. No question. And like you said, because it's a, it's a, it's a prize, they, they spare no expense building them. They're, they're, they're really, you know, yeah. you go up to that house, it's like uh, exquisitely uh, built. Okay, uh, just well, okay. I've got to get to my uh, shocking sad. I know time's going on, but Ozzy, I just want to finish by saying we, saw, we talked about golf a moment ago. I heard you were in a golf tournament this week. Yeah, I was. I was. And and how did you do? I came in fourth. Oh, well, that's that's well, that's very good for you. How many people were in it, by the way? Well, well uh, four. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, there you go. If you can get a small enough field, you can do very well. Ozzy, you go out and enjoy the last uh, or this wonderful uh, weather that we've got as we come into uh, fall and enjoy the golf because it won't enjoy you. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Mike. Have a great weekend. Time now for this week's shocking stat of the week. I love it. I love NFL season, by the way. I'm a big fan. I'm so old that I like the New York Giants because I remember when that was the only team on TV. So. Well, of course, it must have been somebody else on TV with them, but they were broadcasting out of New York. Uh, interesting, though, I saw this stat this week because New England Patriots, of course, have been uh, front and center of so much stuff this last little bit. Um, Robert Kraft bought the New England Patriots in 1995, you ready, for $172 million. Well, now that team is worth $2.6 billion. So in ninety-five, he pays $172 million. Now worth two point six billion. I did the math. That works out to a seventy-one percent return every year. Holy smokes! And no wonder. Here's a test question for you: If you're an NFL fan, how many tickets do you think they sold last year? Well, if you said thirty-four million, you'd be right. And how many jerseys? This one blew me away. They sold twenty-four million jerseys last year. Twenty-four million jerseys. How do you do that? I mean, doesn't everybody already own one? But they still are ticking away there. 34 million tickets, 24 million jerseys. Average ticket price, by the way, is $82. But you know what a bigger story is? Is how many people play fantasy football. 33 million people play fantasy football. One of the great business stories uh, I can remember. Why? Because you play fantasy football, well, you follow your teams where? On TV. So it's reinforcing all their platforms led by TV just because of it. Uh, One more stat for you today. Oh, this is another funny one. 33 million people play. They estimate about 18 and a half, 19 million are working at the time. So they spend two hours a day working. Well, they figure it's $447 million in lost productivity for every hour they spend. 
that's expensive. That's about thirteen billion dollars in lost productivity uh, over a short, such a short season. I don't know. The numbers are so big, it's mind-boggling. But the one you remember is thirty-three million people playing fantasy football. As I say, shocking stats, shocking st- uh, success. One last one for you. They're estimating that ninety-five billion dollars are gambled on NFL and college games a year. Football is number one. Ninety-five billion dollars in gambling and tons. You know, the vast majority of states, it's not even legal. So go figure about that one. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to come back. I still got a shocking stat for you. This one is, is this the worst parenting of the year? I'm telling you, it will. This one should be a shocking goofy. It's just the goofy award, but it is shocking. The worst parenting story I've seen this year, and I know there's competition. Wait till you hear it right here on the Chorus Radio Network. Okay, just a reminder, you can go to moneytalks.net. Uh, Ozzy just ran, ran through a whole bunch of markets, for example, some hot properties. Hey, anytime you want to just revisit something, go to moneytalks.net, and you can click on right there. Uh, plus, I do a midweek update. This week, I talked about the Bank of Canada holding interest rates steady and what did it mean. But also, I still think, uh, still think, I think it's going to really be verified very quickly, that the emerging market story is the one that's going to impact our investments, cause a, a ton of volatility in the investment markets. You should be well aware, as I say, the beginning of the next leg of the debt crisis we see coming in the fourth quarter. So, as I say, I talked earlier with Robert Levy about that. You know, it's a very serious issue, what's going on in Brazil uh, or Venezuela, or several other emerging market countries, we're going to be on. It's going to be on our plate. People always say, "Well, what that got to do with me?" Well, look at the impact China's problems have had on the global uh, sort of financial network. Uh, whether you're talking interest rates, whether you're talking commodity prices, especially, well, it all impacts us. So go to MoneyTalks.net. Plus, you can listen to the daily business comment. I do one Monday through Friday. You can click on MoneyTalks.net and get it. Time now for this week's Goofy Award. And by the way, Money Talks is brought to you by Solera Club. Solera Club is a royalty-based investment. That means you get paid first. There's no fees involved with it. And it deals with the tech industry, the tech context there. Uh, and for more information, go to soleraclub.com. The Goofy. I'm sure there's no shortage of nominees in the running for Worst Parent of the Year. There is. There's a lot of stuff in that one. But I bet you this one could make everyone short list. So far, it leads mine. I'm talking about the story of Nicola Austin uh, from Kent, England. She was just convicted, not accused, actually convicted, so we finished it all off, of buying 12 bags of cocaine for her daughter's 18th birthday. Got that one? She bought, oh, what a birthday present. Here, honey, I've got 12 bags of cocaine for you her daughter's 18th birthday. And why? Because in her own words, in the trial, she said he wanted her daughter, in quotes, to have a good time. Wow. Austin, by the way, had spent six pre- had had rather six previous convictions, including a drug possession. She got a suspended sentence, though, because to go to jail was deemed a hardship for her younger son. What kind of a parent is this? But you know what's interesting? We love to blame governments for just about everything. We demand them take action. I think that's one of the reasons, or probably the primary reason, that in fact we make so little progress on so many of our social ills because we are looking for less individual responsibility instead of more individual responsibility. Whether you're talking, well, the list is just a long one. 
But you won't hear a single politician or member of the educational elite say, hey, what we need is very, uh, better parenting. Individual responsibility and accountability aren't part of the big government agenda. And I think, as I say, that goes a long way to explaining why tens of billions of dollars are spent annually and these same societal ills persist. And you could just go to a long line of that. But isn't that an amazing story? That's what we're dealing with. We love to blame government, but boy, some of the caliber of parenting is so mind-boggling. And in this case, as I say, top my list, buys her daughter 12 bags of cocaine for her 18th birthday because she wanted to be sure she had a good time. Wow. Just a reminder, coming up this week, that pivotal event, or at least pivotal in the mind of uh, the media, <laughs> in terms of, and, and investors, central banks have become the central kind of uh, focus of investors everywhere. The big daddy of them all, of course, is the Federal Reserve. They meet this coming week to discuss whether to raise interest rates or not. That's been the big debate for the last several months on whether they're going to do it or not. I think that's going to be pivotal. That's why the markets have been so choppy in the very short term here. Just people are waiting to hear what they do. Are they raising rates? Does that signal the end of sort of the record, 5,000-year record, and you look back in history, of record low interest rates? Are we going to start budging off that bottom? Not going to happen in Canada in the near term. We've still got a lot more work to do. But in the U.S., that's a distinct possibility. The markets will watch that. All eyes on that. Plus, final reminder, go to moneytalks.net. Listen to the business comment. Listen to the midweek report. I'll give you an update on that when I get interviewed on Wednesday. It'll be right there for you. In the meantime, I hope you have a terrific weekend. I do appreciate you listening.